0: Praise the Lord today. You may be seated. Wow. I said it last week, but it's, it's worth repeating that, um, I don't know if you're like this, but like I find myself during the week, I can't wait for Sundays. I, I, I need this. I need this community of faith. I need this season that we are going in I need worship, I need the Word. I, I need God for what I need. And um, I, I wanna just take a moment just to highlight something before I share with you where we're going today. Um, I, don't, I don't know if, if any of you would consider yourself liturgical. Um, some of you grew up in the liturgical church and, and uh, I, I am not a very liturgical person as you know. Um, but I, I do find myself yearning for many things that seem to be liturgical. And, and, and what I'm talking about, particularly in this moment, is that there's a season that we're about to go into in the Christian calendar. I think you can pay attention to the Christian calendar without being all stiff and liturgical. Um, on Wednesday, on Wednesday, March 2nd, it's an important day. It's called Ash Wednesday. I see a lot of heads already shaking. Some of you are familiar with this Ash Wednesday concept. And Ash Wednesday begins 40 days that lead up to Easter and it has been traditionally a season to really lean in in a heart cry and in a desperate posture of prayer and and devotions and, and fasting. And so I want to invite you, no pressure whatsoever. No, it's, I'm doing it. I'm just I'm inviting you to do it. You don't, you don't have to. But I think God's up to something because I want to let you know that after I mentioned this last service, we had 196 people sign up to join me on a Lenten Journey devotion. Go ahead and take out your phones. It's okay. You can take out your phone in church. Just don't get on Facebook. Put your, put your face in this book and not on that Facebook. <laughs> Except for those of you who are watching us on Facebook right now, praise God for you. (laughs) See what I did there? Um, Hey, take out your phone and scan that QR code. We've prepared this for you this week. Lots of phones, leave it up there for a moment. Some people are still trying to find their phones. And If you don't get it today, you can do it later, but they're gonna leave it up there for a moment. When you scan that, you're gonna see several tiles. And there's one there called Lent 2022. And I'm gonna be posting daily devotions during the season of Lent. I'm leaning heavily upon N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright is one of the most faithful, brilliant scholars on the planet. I've studied him extensively. I took in a few conferences that he spoke at at Duke. He, he's, he's one of my favorite biblical interpreter scholars. And uh, I'm gonna be, we're gonna be dropping this in your inbox. If you sign up for this, you'll get it daily. And, and then I'm gonna invite you, again, no pressure, but... I'm going to invite you to join me on a, a season of fasting. Amen. Like, what, what do you need to give up? Um, some people don't like to fast, and some people decide, you know, I don't need to give up anything. I'm, I'm good to go. Well, that's amazing, number one. But then they, they, they say, I want to add some stuff. I want to start doing some stuff, which is a great idea. Maybe you don't give up something. Maybe you, maybe you start some Bible readings, or you start this daily devotion. There will be scriptures in this devotion. I'm going to be doing a 40-day fast called the Daniel's Fast. I'm also gonna get this put on that website. Uh, Some of you have been with me long enough to remember a time that I led our entire church through the Daniel's Fast. I won't get into all the details now, but basically it's 40 days of vegetables. It comes comes from the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. 40 days of vegetables and fruit and water, and I've always added coffee. Because it says in the book of Hesitations, chapter 4, verse 3, Thou shalt never give up coffee. <laughs> Amen. I got, I got a sign in my house that says I can do all things through Christ and coffee. Philippians 4, 13. So I'm not going to act more you know, holy than I am. I don't give up coffee. That would not be a good experience for me. Um, but I am going to do the Daniels fast for 40 days. And I invite you to join me. And if you're not into that, I invite you to join me on this journey of reading these devotions. And it's a very, very powerful season for us as a church to go after God, quite possibly like we haven't gone after God in a long time. Amen? So come join me. And then we will be ready to celebrate Easter like there's no tomorrow come April 17th. Hey, if you uh, if you saw yesterday, I put a video out, and I said, hey, I got a big surprise for you in church, and uh, I said, you're gonna love it, and I can promise you, you will love it, and for those of you who have met this brother before, um, he is a dear treat and gift from Almighty God. Uh, somewhere near 10 years ago, I met Pastor Mike Kelsey down in Miami, and uh, he and I just connected from day one. We, we've just become brothers and kindred spirits. And he's kind of become a teaching pastor over the years. Been here many times teaching. Uh, what's crazy, he and I were reflecting upon this yesterday. The last time he preached here was February 2020. You know what kind of sucker punched us right after that. But here we are coming out of that, amen. But he's about to deliver a message to you. I'm telling you, church, He's about to deliver a message to you that's gonna help you connect so many dots of what we've been through and what so many of us are going through right now. The brother comes from a long lineage of anointed pastors in the D.C. area. Ministry runs in his family. Uh, Let me show you a picture of his beautiful family. Ashley is his wife. Look at that, come on now. Ava is 11, Michael III is eight, Jackson is four. Uh, Pastor Mike is on the executive leadership team at McLean Bible Church in the D.C. area, and uh, I said this earlier this morning, and I'll say it again, and I stand by it, and, and I believe this in the core of who I am. He is one of the most anointed and most gifted communicators on the planet, and you are in for a dear treat. So you know what the Bible says? It says give honor where honor's due, but the Bible then says give double honor for the man of God who preaches the word of God in the house of God. Would you welcome Pastor Mike Kelsey today? Come on.
1: New Hope. What's up, New Hope? How y'all doing? We good? Yeah, yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, It is, uh, well, let me just say something real quick. Uh, If you're not married yet, maybe some of you young dudes, you want to be married at at some point. I've been married for 13 years. One of the side effects of being married for 13 years is uh, Christmas pajamas. Uh, That is, I don't know why of all the pictures he could have chose, he chose that one. I held off for a solid 13 years, you know what I'm saying? And uh, year 13, I give in and wear jammies uh, for Christmas. And now it's all over the interwebs. So there you have it. it's a joy to be with y'all today. New Hope is family. I've uh, been here uh, several times and uh, it's always a joy to be here and to share God's Word. I love Pastor Benji and I'm thankful. He's been a big brother in so many ways. I swear the first time he invited me to preach, he had never heard me preach before. Um, and, uh, but he saw something in me and we just have connected and I've been blessed, uh, not just by him, but I've been blessed by the ministry of this uh, church family. Uh, I'm blessed to be here to share God's Word with you. Um, and that's what I plan to do is to preach. Uh, but I would also, uh, one of the, the, the side benefits of being here this weekend was Pastor Benji took me to a Duke game last night. Whoa, uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! one second, one second before you get too excited. Uh, uh, I, I went to uh, University of Maryland College Park, and so I'm Terp Nation all day. I'm from the D.C. metro area, and we don't really, yeah, yeah, so we don't really ride with Duke like that. Uh, so I have a little bit of a problem is I'm not sure I can go home. You know what I'm saying? I made the mistake. I got caught up in the moment, you know, up, up in Cameron, and I posted on Instagram, and I've, I've gotten some, uh, some threatening uh, DMs. And people are just like, I'm going to pull up at the airport when you get back. So I'm not, I'm not sure exactly uh, what to do between now uh, and, and, and then. But on the way here, uh, I pulled up to BWI Airport there in the D.C. metro area. And I'm texting Pastor Benji because his plan was to pick me up uh, from the airport. We had to straighten the camera. He's like, let me know uh, what the status is of your flight. And uh, so I text him when we're boarding the flight. And I'm like, we're good. Flight is on time. I'm ready to rock. And then I texted him like 30 minutes later. And I'm like, spoke too soon. I'm stuck on the tarmac. We're stuck on the tarmac. Apparently, they, they, they changed the gate at the last minute. It was like from B10 to B2 or something like that. And I had no idea how long it takes to get all of the people's, I didn't even check no bag, you know what I mean? I'm here one night, but apparently a lot of people did and they had to get all the bags uh, over to our gate. And so we were literally stuck on the tarmac for about 45 minutes. Dude across the the aisle from me, I'm telling y'all, he started to spaz out. I was like, what is the problem? He took his shirt off and like, (laughs) I'm not exaggerating at all. I'm like, my man is struggling right now. (laughs) And, uh, and I got it, because I wanted to get here for the Duke game, and uh, some of you have felt like that uh, in life. Some of you have felt stuck. Some of you have felt stuck in between where you've been and where you're trying to go. And this is why our four-letter word, if you've been tracking along with this series online or wherever uh, you're watching from here, like our, we've been in this series four-letter words and the four-letter word that we're looking at today is a word that none of us want to hear that's the word wait wait and I'm gonna just tell you up front this was not I text Pastor Benji because I was gonna switch it up and there was another word that God had been doing in my life that I was gonna share and then as I was praying and talking to my wife I just felt like this is a word for for this church family, uh, and for you if you're here, you're watching uh, today. And so uh, we are gonna be talking about the word wait because all of us have been in that situation. In fact, like Pastor Benji mentioned, I was last preaching here February 2020, and then the pand- pandemic hit. And that was just a big old wait uh, and so, in so many ways. And so I hope that God will encourage you through his word in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. If you got a Bible uh, or if you don't, we'll have the verses up on the screen. Uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 6. I'm going to read verses 6 through 12 and then pray, and then we'll dive in. Y'all ready to hear God's word? Come on, don't give it to me. weak. Y'all ready to hear God's word? All right. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. This is Luke writing about what the Holy Spirit is doing and continuing the ministry of Jesus in the early church and here he's writing about the Apostle Paul. Verse six, he writes this. It says, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow them to. And so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. This is what the man in the vision was saying. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight from Samothrace. And the next day we went on to Neapolis and from there we traveled to Philippi a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. Let's pray together. Father as we give you our attention we know God that you work through your word when you spoke all things came into existence. Jesus looked at the wind and the waves, and he spoke, and they obeyed. You work through your word. And so, God, we pray that you would not only speak to our hearts, but we pray that you would work in our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, some of you may not be familiar with the Bible. Maybe you're exploring Christianity. Maybe you are a new believer And so I want to kind of catch you up, give you some context so you understand where we are at this point in the Apostle Paul's life. As I mentioned, Luke is the author of Acts. And at this point, he's he's writing about, he's a historian, he's writing about Paul's life, the Apostle Paul. Now, if you are familiar with the Bible, you know that Paul's original name was Saul. And Paul is a Jewish man. But before he became a Christian, he was violently opposed to the gospel. And I'm not exaggerating when I say violently. Paul was so opposed to the gospel, was so opposed to this message about Jesus being Messiah, Jesus being Savior, Jesus being Lord, that that he would, under the authority of the government, he would have Christians. So these are Jewish people that are defecting. They, They now believe that Jesus is the Messiah Paul would have them chased from city to city, dragged, put into prison, and even murdered. Like, Paul was about that life. Like, he was not, it was not sweet with Paul. Like, Paul was so serious about what he believed that if you claimed to be a Christian, he would chase you down and have you killed. Until one day... Until one day he had this undeniable encounter with Jesus that radically transformed his life. Anybody had an undeniable encounter with Jesus that radically transformed your life? This is what happened to the Apostle Paul. He encounters the risen Jesus and he went from violently suppressing the gospel to passionately spreading the gospel. Because that's what happens in your life when you truly have an encounter with Jesus. When you become a Christian, and by that, and and y'all, some of y'all know me by now. I haven't been here. You know some of my story. When I say become a Christian, I don't mean you went to church growing up. That was me. I was in church, but I was not in Christ. I knew how to play the church game. I grew up playing the drums. I grew up in every single, I grew up in the old school church where you had to be at at church for like 28 hours out of a day. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? We just made up hours. (laughs) I knew how to do all that. But I wasn't a follower of Jesus. Jesus. In many ways, the gospel went in one ear out the other. I didn't hate church. I didn't beef with Jesus. Intellectually, I understood and would say I believe the gospel, but it had not yet impacted my heart because I hadn't fully embraced the core message that caused me to trust and put my, my life in Jesus's hands based on what he's done for me. And so I went to the University of Maryland, again, Terp Nation, and I did what you're going to do if you go to college and you're not a believer. You know what I mean? I lived a reckless life. And my per- passion in life, I'm not exaggerating, this is was my dream in life. I wanted to own a club in D.C., Well, actually, I wanted to start out as a party promoter. I wanted to own a club in D.C., and then I wanted to use that to kind of build this empire and own an entertainment company until I had a radical encounter with Jesus while I was at the University of Maryland, and I put my trust in Jesus for for the first time in my life, not just hearing about the gospel, but the the, the gospel actually became good news to me, right? (laughs) Right? Because I was a sinner and I was in need of grace and that grace is only found in Jesus and what he's done in dying for me and rising from the grave. And so here's what happens when you're born again through faith in Jesus. You not only get a new life, but you get new purpose in life. You get a new vision, you get a new ambition in life. And as followers of Jesus, what happens is now we begin to share the same ambition. And it's what Paul sums up in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. He says, so we make it our goal, we make it our ambition in life to please him. Whether we're at home in the body or away from it, Paul says, no matter what, our ambition, our driving passion is to please God. That's the mission statement for every follower of Jesus. But the way we live that out individually is gonna be different based on our different gifts and passions and the opportunities God gives us. And so for Paul, he was called to be a traveling missionary. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter 15, verse 20. He says, since I became a follower of Jesus, he says, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, Those who were not told about him, told about Jesus, will see. And those who have not heard will understand. Paul's calling in life was to get the gospel to people who had never heard about Jesus. And let me pause there for a minute because although we may not necessarily be called to be traveling missionaries, that should be the passion of every follower of Jesus because we have the same critical need almost 2,000 years later. Because we live in a world where every single one of us has been born into sin, and we have gladly participated in sin, in rebellion against God, and we don't deserve anything good from God. In fact, we deserve God's judgment. Like you and I, you watching online, like all of us, we deserve God's judgment because no matter how much good we try to do, we always fall short of God's standard. And sometimes if we're honest, we ain't even trying. Right? But God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to live the perfectly righteous life that we could not live and to die in our place for our sins. And Jesus rose from the dead so that we could have eternal life. And God loved the world so much that he wants everyone to hear that. And there are people all over the world and in our lives who have never heard or understood that message. There are people in your neighborhood, your school, your job, your family who have not yet they've heard about Jesus, but they don't know him. They haven't truly understood their need for the saving grace of God in Jesus yet, and not just people around us, but far from us. Jesus came, and he made it clear that he came to save people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, every ethnic group. He wants to save people. He wants people to enjoy life with him. He wants worship from people of every nation, tribe, and tongue. And yet, listen, over 40% of the world's ethnic groups are still unreached. Unreached does not just mean not a Christian. Unreached means they're in an area with little to no access to the gospel. There is no Christian near them. There is no church near them. They don't have the Bible translated in their language. Many have never even heard the name of Jesus. 40% of the world's ethnic groups, that's about 3.2 billion people in the world today who don't know what God has done for them in Jesus. And that should be the passion for all of us, whether we are praying for God to move around the world in that way where we are giving toward those efforts like you do here at, at New Hope. Or whether God sends you to actually go and to spend your life for the spread of the gospel amongst people who have not yet heard about Jesus. That was Paul's passion and his calling. And here's what I want you to see. Paul was an ambitious man. Here's the distinction, though. He didn't just have ambition for selfish reasons, he had ambition for the glory of God in the ways that God gifted him and called him, in the ways that he was wired. He wanted to please God by spreading the gospel and bringing glory to Jesus. And he was a strategic thinker. He was a planner. He looked out and said, where has the gospel not yet gone? And he strategized and marshaled resources to go get the gospel to those areas. He aggressively pursued the vision that God had put in his heart. And here's why I wanted to mention that. Because it's good for us to hear sometimes that we, sometimes we need permission to dream. Like, this is important to hear because sometimes, y'all, we need permission to dream. We need permission. To aggressively pursue what God has put in our hearts to do for, again, I'm not just talking about for our own selfish ambition. I'm talking about those things that God has put in our hearts for the good of other people and for the glory of God. And sometimes in Christian circles, we, prom- we promote this theology of passivity. What I mean by that is we just, we just kind of think we just kind of have to sit back and just, just wait for everything. And we are talking about wait. We're going to get to that in a second. But it is okay for you to have a desire, a dream that God has put in your heart. For his glory and the good of other people, for the good of your family, it's good for you to pursue that dream. We see that in Nehemiah's life as he has a burden for the people in his hometown. They're in Jerusalem and they have no walls. And he gets a report from Jerusalem. He's scrolling through Instagram and he sees people in his hometown. They didn't have Instagram. Instagram. There's a messenger who comes back from Jerusalem and says, the people of Israel are vulnerable. They have no walls. They have no military. And Nehemiah feels burdened. And here's what's interesting. It never says that. And we saw this with Moses. We saw this with Abraham. It never says God showed up and explicitly told him, I want you to go to Jerusalem. All it says is that God put it in his heart. He felt a burden for these people who are in need. And he realized that he has access to the king and he has resources and expertise and leadership skill and he can't shake it. He can't stop thinking about it. So he begins fasting. This is why some of y'all need to participate in this Lenten fast. He starts fasting and he starts praying and, and seeking God's direction and clarity and God brings clarity and then he gets permission and resources to go help rebuild back home. Listen, it is good to have holy ambition. It's good to wanna get into a certain college or to get on a certain sports team. It's okay to wanna own a home. It's okay to wanna be in this particular career field or to have these dreams for your kids, but here's the thing. The reality, though, is that sometimes, listen, it's hard for us to accept sometimes God derails our dreams. Sometimes he pauses our plans. And it takes some maturity to come to grips with that. And that's what we see happen in Paul's ministry. He's on his second missionary journey, working to get the gospel out. And he's paused. And here's, here's to, we, we make some mistakes and we're waiting on God, we have ambition, we have dreams, we have these desires for a relationship, whatever it is. We have these desires in our heart, and we're waiting on God to open that door. And there's some mistakes we make while we're waiting on God. Here's mistake number one. The first mistake is that we assume that our good plans are God's plans. The reality is, we have to hold our plans loosely, even though because some of us are like, I mean, I know the devil is trying to kill my good plans, but but we equate our good plans with God's plans, and look at what happens in Paul's life. Acts chapter sixteen, verse six, Paul and his team are traveling throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, and look at what it says: having been kept by who? The by the Holy Spirit from what? From preaching the word. In the province of Asia. And then when they get to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter into Bithynia. But the spirit of who? The spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Let me show you this on a map real quick so you kind of understand what's happening. So Paul, again, is on his second missionary journey. And if you read in Acts, he's been over here in Antioch. Working, he's been strengthening the churches that he founded on his first missionary journey, and now he's working his way west to spread the gospel, and he wants to get into Asia because the gospel has not gotten into Asia yet. And this is my little drawing. I just put an X right here. The Holy Spirit is like, it's a no-go. Holy Spirit won't let him preach in Asia. So he's like, okay, no problem. Plan A didn't work. He keeps going west, and then he says, wait, the gospel hasn't gone up into Bithynia, so he tries to go northeast, and the Holy Spirit won't let him get into Bithynia. Now, you got to ask yourself a question if you're thoughtfully reading your Bible, because some things don't really make sense when you're reading your Bible. Why would the, if the Holy Spirit called him to spread the gospel to people who had not yet heard about Jesus, then why would the Holy Spirit be stopping him from spreading the gospel to people who have not yet heard about Jesus? And it's interesting when you, when you read this, because... This has happened in other places in Paul's life, but it was different. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, it says, For we wanted to come to you. Paul's saying, I wanted to come to you in Thessalonica. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But look, but Satan blocked our way. Paul's, Paul, you got help me, bro. I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> Paul's doing what God called him to do and put it in his heart to do. The Holy Spirit is the one that says no. In another situation, the same thing, but it was Satan. Here's my question. Paul, I got a question for you. How did you know whether it was the Holy Spirit or whether it was Satan? Like, how do you know when it's God... That's closing the door or making you wait or Satan. Because you deal with those two situations very differently. If I pull up to my house when I get home and I show up to the door and I try to open the door and one of my little sons like is blocking the door, it's all love, no problem. If I pull up to my house when I get home and it's some random dude standing at the door trying to block me, we gonna handle that situation a little differently, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) It might be with fasting and prayer, depending on how filled with the Holy Spirit I am in that moment. But it might not. So how do I know if it's the spirit holding me back or if it's Satan holding me back? How did Paul know? We don't know. The text doesn't tell us. Maybe the Holy Spirit spoke directly to his heart. Maybe the Holy Spirit spoke to him through a prophet. We see both of those things happen right here in the book of Acts. But here's the thing. I I think if if God wanted us to know that's what happened, I think he would have made it explicitly clear. We don't know for sure, but here's what I think. I don't think Paul actually understood what was happening in the moment. I think Paul was just like us. I think there were probably some circumstances that prevented him from being able to preach in those places. Keep in mind, Luke is writing this after the fact. And I think Paul only understood that it was the Holy Spirit in hindsight. As he's looking back and he's reflecting on everything that happened, he's had the opportunity to start to put some of the puzzle pieces together for what God was doing the whole time. Anybody glad as you look back that the Holy Spirit kept you from some stuff? Kept you from some relationships? Amen and amen? Yeah. And I think this is what's happening in Paul's life. He's looking back. And he's communicating with Luke. Luke is writing this down. And in hindsight, he sees that it was the Holy Spirit. Now, we'll get to that in a minute, but I don't want us to jump too quickly because so often we treat people in the Bible like they're these fictional superheroes. This wasn't easy for Paul because God will sometimes put us in situations that we don't understand and we have to trust him based on what we do understand. So the Holy Spirit hinders Paul from preaching in Asia and Bithynia. And then verse 8, so they passed by Mysia and they went down to Troas. The first mistake we make when we're waiting on God is we assume that our good plans are God's plan. The second mistake we make is that we miss the work that God has put right in front of us. Like, can we be honest? Like, put yourself in Paul's shoes. Can we just be honest for a second? Some of y'all would have been salty in Troas. (laughs) Like, plan A didn't work, Asia. Plan B didn't work, Bithynia. Troas is plan C. Some of us would have been so focused on what could have been in Asia, what could have been in Bithynia, We would have been salty in Troas because Troas is the place that you didn't plan to be in, where you didn't want to be, but it's the place where you are. It's just the place where you are. It's not the way you wanted it to work out. It wasn't in the five-year plan, but it's where you are. And some of you feel stuck in Troas. You feel stuck on the tarmac like I did. You look around at your life and you ask ask yourself, how did I get here? How did God lead me here? Maybe you feel that way because of your age. Maybe you thought you'd be farther along by now. But Troas is a pivotal place in God's plan because you can be so consumed by disappointment and frustration, listen, that you're not open. You're not open to the opportunities that God is putting right in front of you in the meantime. Anybody in here remember DVDs? Just by a show of hands, real quick, You remember DVDs? Gen Z is like, what, what? Is that a professional sports league or what is a DVD? Like, is that a government agency? It's how we used to watch movies. Any of y'all remember watching DVDs? There was a director's cut. So there was like the director's version. Here's, here's, what, it, here's what, what it was. Like you watched the exact same movie, but in the director's cut, you could hear commentary from the director. You could hear the director explaining why they made this decision or that decision, why this person made this facial expression or this camera angle or what was happening. And what we're seeing is the director's cut in Paul's life. We get the advantage of hearing from God in his word how he was working, and what he was doing in the Apostle Paul's life. And here's why that should be encouraging. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His motivations and his character don't change. So as we're reading the director's cut in Paul's life, he's the same director in our life. So if if God was at work in Paul's life in the midst of the waiting and the disappointment, we can have confidence that he's also at work in our life in the midst of the waiting and disappointment. Now, here's my concern, and this is the burden that I felt in praying for you. Here's my concern. Some of you have settled into a place where the only response you're willing to accept from God is yes. You're stiff-arming God. You're stiff-arming what God might be wanting to do in your life right now because you're like, God, I will not trust you unless you do this thing exactly like I'm asking you to do it. And we're missing out on what God has put right in front of us. But you see, God is an intentional and strategic God. Nothing is ever wasted. Nothing is ever random. And we see this all throughout Scripture. He sees some things that we don't. He knows some things that we're not aware of and he's always doing something in us and for us in every situation and season in life. God is doing something right now. I grew up in an old school black church, so I need you to just do me a favor. Just turn to the person around you and say, God is doing something right now. God is doing, come on, say it with your chest. God is doing something online too, talk to yourself or whoever. God is doing something right now. Right now. I know I'm waiting for God to do something then, but he's doing something right now. And so Paul is in Troas, the place he never planned to be. And then, verse 9, during the night, he had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. He's in the place that he didn't plan to be. And then God begins to reveal a little bit of his own plan. This man in Macedonia is saying, come over. We need to hear the gospel. And Paul has seen the vision, verse 10. They got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called them to preach the gospel. Now, let me show you this on a map so you understand how strategic God is. Remember I said Paul starts over here in the east. He's trying to get into Asia. That's a no. He tries to get in Bithynia. That's a no. He keeps going. I wonder what that walk was like. (laughs) Because it didn't have Uber. You know what I'm saying? And So he's probably struggling, trying to figure it all out. This is where so many of us are. He gets to Troas, the place he did not plan to be. And Troas is a port city. Right here on the Aegean Sea and right across the water is the region of Macedonia. This will represent the first time the gospel gets into Europe. Let me ask you something. Is it possible that when Paul was frustrated here and frustrated here, is it possible that God had Macedonia in mind? Is it possible that while Paul was focused here, God had plans there that Paul could not see? Because God is an intentional God, and he's strategic, and we can trust him. He's good, and he's wise, and he's always unfolding his plan in our lives. And so from Troas, verse 11, they put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day went on to Neapolis. And from there, listen, Paul and his team travel to Philippi, where we get the the letter to the Philippians. He tries to preach in Asia, the Spirit closes the door. Tries to preach into Bithynia, get into Bithynia, the Spirit closes the door. Is it possible that God had Macedonia in mind the whole time? Is it possible? Is it possible that while Paul was frustrated, God had Lydia in mind? As you read Acts 16, the first convert in Philippi, this woman who became a follower of Jesus, She became the first member of the Philippian church. Is it possible that when Paul was frustrated that God had that slave girl in mind, the girl that Paul ran into who was enslaved and possessed by a demon, and Paul cast that demon out of her, sets her free, and she joins this early growing group of Christians? Is it possible that when Paul was frustrated, God had the Philippian jailer in mind? As you continue to read, where Paul and Silas end up in prison in Philippi. And the foundations of the jail are shaken, and Paul is set free, but he doesn't leave because the Philippian jailer says, what must I do to be saved? If this is your God who is causing this earthquake and setting you free, I need to know and worship that God. And Paul preaches the gospel to the Philippian jailer. The Philippian jailer says, I want you to come share that message with my whole household. And it says his whole household got saved. Lydia, that slave girl, the Philippian jailer, and his family, they begin the church in Philippi. Is it possible that God... Will Was up to something back here that Paul could not see. The gospel spreads like wildfire. Westward through Europe. Listen, God is sovereign and He is good, and we can trust Him when we wait. There is something He wants you and I to do now. There is something he's inviting us into right now. I know we're waiting on that. I know we're waiting on there. I know there's those things that God has put in our heart and we're praying and we're trusting and we're working and we're believing and it's not happening yet, but God has something. He is inviting you right now in the pain, in the confusion, in the anxiety. He's inviting you to participate in something right now. But my fear is that you will miss it or you are missing it if your heart is closed because you're only willing to accept yes. God is bigger than you and he's bigger than me. His plan is bigger and better than our plan. And we can trust him by being open handed and open hearted with his plans. We assume that our good plans are God's plans, and then we miss often the work that God has for us right now. Here's the last mistake. Here's the last mistake. Often, we assume no means never. That's why some of us get so salty. We assume no means never. When I graduated from undergrad, my first job out of college was with this evangelist named uh, Luis Palau. We call him like the Latin American Billy Graham. And uh, I got a chance to work with the Palau family and their team. And I remember um, Luis Palau saying this. He said, God answers prayer in five ways. Listen, if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. He said, God answers prayer in five ways. Yes, I thought you'd never ask. No, I love you too much. Yes, but not yet. Yes, and here's more. Amen? That's the one I want right there. Give me number four, Jesus. Yes, and here's more. Here's the fifth one. Yes, but differently from what you thought. We see this all over Paul's life. His ambition was to get to Rome to spread the gospel. How did Paul get there? He got there in in custody. He was arrested. He didn't walk into Rome as a missionary. He was dragged into Rome as a prisoner. But then he got a chance to share the gospel in the Roman palace guard, and it spread throughout the upper echelons of the Roman government, and we see that right here in Acts 16. Paul never got to go to Bithynia, never. Now, it's interesting because we think Peter did because in 1 Peter, when Peter writes the beginning of his letter, chapter 1, he greets the saints in Bithynia. So God knew what he was doing. Paul didn't get a chance to go into Bithynia. And there are some things that God is not gonna say yes to in our lives, but God can be trusted. But God did allow Paul to go to Asia, See, Asia is where Ephesus is, is where we get the letter to the Ephesians. Asia is where Colossae is, that's where we get the letter to the Colossians. God did eventually allow Paul to go into Asia and spread the gospel to the point, Acts chapter 19, verse 10, it says, this went on for two years when Paul is in Ephesus ministering so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord revival broke out in the province of asia eventually as paul went there to spread the gospel is it possible that god had that in mind way back here and it wasn't all sweet like when you read, we don't have time to read it now but read second corinthians chapter one when paul talks about his experience in asia he went through persecution and heartache and exhaustion and suffering. It was hard even being, and that's just a real quick sidebar word for some of y'all because so often we're thinking about what could have been, what would have been. God, I'm trying to get there. And we're surprised that even when he does get us there, it's harder than we thought it was. Listen to me. This is why the goal cannot be getting what you want. The goal has to simply be to be with God and to be faithful to his will to be with God and be faithful to his will now while you're waiting to be with God and be faithful to his will wherever he leads you. The goal has to be to be with God and be faithful to him. Why? Because God is better than your plans. God is better. He's better than anything that we could dream up or pursue any of our ambitions because he's the ultimate goal and ambition. Our goal is to be with him and to please him and to be faithful with him and we can trust him. We can trust him in the mountains and the valleys. We can trust him in the waiting and in the fulfillment. We can trust him. Proverbs 16:9 In their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Listen, some of us, as we were singing a song before we started this message, we were singing this song, Something Has to Break. And I was just praying and just sensing from the Lord, like something has to break in your heart. I don't know who I'm talking to, but something has to break in your heart. If you're actually going to experience the joy that God has for you, if you're if you're actually going to lean in and fully participate in and experience the work that God has for you right now, something has to break in you because you've been holding on to your dreams and desires too tightly. And listen, I know what that's like. I know what that's like. My, my wife and I right now, my, ever since college, late in college, she started developing these, these cold chills. Out of nowhere, we, we, did, we were dating in college, and she just started getting these cold chills. And at first, it didn't seem like it was that big of a deal. And now, after all these years later, we, that's a whole other sermon. We dated for a long time, and now we've been married for 13 years. We've known each other for a long time. And the chills have just gotten worse. These are debilitating. I've never seen somebody in more pain. She says, it's like ice, like going through, like, her bones, And when her chills hit, it can literally last for like 12 hours. If we don't catch it quickly and get her warmed up as quick as possible, like it completely overtakes her and she is in such pain and she's crying out to God. And we have not been able to figure out why. You can be praying for that. She has an appointment, thankfully, with a specialist who we've heard might know what's going on in March. The first time we've ever even gotten a lead and we've been agonizing in prayer, asking for God to heal her and to, and to change this and to give some type of relief. So we know what it's like to be in that waiting where we're, we're asking and we're praying and we're seeking and we're doing it. And I'm just telling y'all, something had to break in us. Not that we stopped praying and asking for that, but that while we're praying and asking for that, we're saying, but God, I know you're better than answer prayer. God, I know you're better than healing. God, I know you're better than doing something exactly when we want you to do it. God, we will trust you in the meantime. We will trust you in Troas. We will trust you on the tarmac. We will trust you while we are waiting because you are a good God and your plans are unfolding right now. God, we're not gonna wait. We're not gonna wait for you to do it exactly how we want before we start trusting you. We're gonna wait in faith. We're gonna wait in trust. We're gonna wait as we actively pursue what you have for us right now. And some of you need to surrender yourself, your plans, your prayers, your desires. You need to surrender that to God and say, God, I'm gonna wait on you. I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on you with joy and trust. I'm going to wait on you with a whole heart that is sold out in obedience to you. And maybe for some of you, that looks like making a decision for the first time to put your trust in Jesus. Maybe online or somewhere in this room, maybe, maybe you need to trust God enough to believe what he says that he loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. And Jesus rose from the grave so that you could have eternal life. So one day the waiting will be over. So one day you can experience, like so many of us, that moment in a twinkling of an eye when the waiting is over and we are changed because we finally see God, our creator, and our Lord, our savior face to face. Maybe today is that day for you. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing this song, Wait On You, as a prayer. and As I pray or even as we sing, maybe you need to pray and just say, God, I'm surrendering myself to you. Maybe for the first time you need to say, God, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm putting my trust in Jesus and I want to follow you with my life. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, this is not a word that I'm just preaching out of my head. It's a word, God, that you've worked deep into my heart in the waiting. And so, Lord, I pray you would encourage some brothers and sisters who are here, who are listening and watching, Lord, who are waiting on some things and struggling. I pray that you would renew their strength. I pray, Lord God, that they would know, they would know that they can trust you, and I pray you would open their eyes, their hands, their hearts to what you're doing right now. And Lord, I pray for those who may have never truly trusted in Jesus. Oh God, I pray, Lord, that even as we sing this next song or the person is watching in their apartment or dorm or wherever, Lord, that you would meet them in a personal way, you would save them, and you would change their life. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust you. Thank you that you're good. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.